podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Come on, boys. Before we get into what quite possibly may be my favorite, or at least a minimum top five show I've ever recorded with the voice of the Wildcats, Hall of Famer Wyatt Thompson. Remember, Remember, this podcast is sponsored by our friends at Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle recently released their K-State campus capsule, and boy, did they crush it. Charlie Hustle wants to get our listeners geared up for Cats football season and in some new gear before that first tailgate. Use promo code BOSCO15 for 15% off your next purchase. This offer is valid online and in-store through August 31st. So go check them out. Get your Deuce Vaughn t-shirt. Get one of their new K-State shirts. And also... Like I've been saying, my favorite Kansas City Chiefs shirt, Charlie Hustle. My favorite sporting KC shirt, Charlie Hustle. I just ordered a KC Current and another K-State shirt just today using promo code BOSCO15. Now, I'm going to kick it to myself with the Hall of Famer, Wyatt Thompson. The boys are back and Blitz Month rolls on and we got something special. He is entering his 21st year as the voice of the Wildcats. He was the 2000 Colorado Broadcaster of the Year. He is the six-time winner of the Kansas Association of Broadcasters Sportscaster of the Year. And on October 23rd, he will become the newest member of the Kansas Broadcasting Hall of Fame. He's the most recognizable voice in the entire Midwest. It is Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Cats. Wyatt, how are you doing today? I am very good. Thank you for that more than kind introduction, Scott. Good to be on with the Bosco boys. I, I was telling you off air, I'm so excited to do this. So excited to sit down and talk Kansas State with you guys. It's That's that's really a great opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm glad like Brian didn't like knock on your door and be like, ah, are you sure you want to do this and, and, and scare <laughs> you away? But uh, before we get into talking, you know, K-State football, and, and again, uh, it's too bad. I mean, I'm going to have to get you on maybe a little bit closer to basketball because things are going great for Jerome Tang and company, just throwing that out there. We, we've done two shows where we've talked a lot of basketball, uh, so definitely not ignoring them. But I want to touch on something first. You are about to become a Hall of Famer, and I think it is about time. What was your reaction for fe- for people who didn't get to see that awesome video that K-State point- put out there? What was your reaction when you were receiving that news that you were going to be immortalized as one of the greatest broadcasters? And quite frankly, for this, for a state uh, the size of Kansas, just an illustrious you know run of broadcasters, not just at K-State, but across the entire state. That's really, really, really well said. Kansas, and I've been proud of this for a long, long time, even when I first got into the business, Kansas has always been known as a state that produces a lot of good radio and television people, uh, whether it's sports, news, whatever it might be. And and I think back to those early days and the help that I got from guys like Fred White and Bob Davis, and even back to guys, you know, I mean, I could talk about 
you know, Steve Fiziok and some of the people that I've, you know, over the years have, have helped me or, or Mitch Holtus. I mean, he just goes, you know, and Mitch is even actually younger than I am, but it gives you an, an idea of what this, and I'm leaving out many Deb Nelson and all of that, but I, I'm proud of that because it is such a terrific state that way. To, to answer the first part there, when they when they told me and I found out from Dave Lewis, who I've known for many, many years, uh, he grew up in the same Dickinson County area that I did or very close. And then Rich Wartell, uh, who managed K-Man for a lot of years, and I actually worked for him years ago for a short period of time down in Arc City. It was I'm not speechless, Scott, very often, and I, I'm sure you probably know that, but I've really had a hard time putting words to it. And, and frankly, I was very emotional about it because <laughs> when they were telling me that the, the first few things that go through your mind is just the, you know, your parents and, you know, sisters who gave up so many Thanksgivings and Christmas times without me because I'm, you know, doing games somewhere. And um, so you think about that. And then the obvious too is, like we're talking about all of those people that helped me in the early days. Uh, the very first boss I had, Kay Melia, uh, out in uh, Goodland at KLOE Radio and Television, was as good as anybody. And uh, it gave me such a great base to get started because, believe me, I was young and not very good uh, in almost everything I was doing. But he gave me that first opportunity. So it was a reflective moment and an emotional one for sure. No doubt about that. And again, you mentioned some of those great names who have either been in the booth uh, before you at K-State, sharing the booth with such a long time with Stan. And it goes beyond just football and basketball. You look at all the talent that has been around K-State, uh, past, present, and I'm sure future. Uh, is there just something in the water up there in Manhattan where it's like, okay, you know, we we have all these folks, whether, well, then heck, even when ESPN Plus, you have Ben Boyle who's coming in doing yes. basketball. You, again, everyone who's doing uh, volleyball, what, everyone. It seems like there isn't a weak link among such a deep bench. What what's what are you putting in the water up there when people aren't looking? <laughs> well, I don't know that we're putting necessarily anything in the water, but I think your point is a good one. You, you mentioned uh, some people there. Uh, I mean, there have just been so many people come through here. I, I think part of it is with, with the K-State thing that, you know, they've had such a good, you know, broadcast journalism program at the university for a long, long time and have produced people like Mitch Holtis and Greg Sharp and Brian Smolder. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't like naming names, but I do it. But you, and, you know, eventually will leave somebody out. And I hope I don't do that. But it, that I mean, that's that's pretty good if you just stopped right there, right? I mean, those guys are all in their own right as as talented as any you'll see. I I, I don't have any problem telling you that I think Mitch is the best uh, professional football announcer in the country that I've heard, and I listen quite a bit. Um, Stan told me one time that listening to Greg Sharp on the radio was like sitting in an easy chair. I thought that was the greatest compliment ever because you're just you know what you're going to get. It's just as easy as easy can be. Um, and so, yeah, I, to, to be even mentioned in, in those kind of groups, it's uh, pretty humbling for sure. Definitely. Well, 
maybe next summer before we're right on the cusp of, uh, you know, K-State football season, I, I want to kind of get some of your best stories and talk about just the art of broadcast and all sure. these different names who have come through K-State and some folks that you've enjoyed listening to or working with in the past. But, you know, there, there's a pretty big football season just right here on the cusp. I think we're when we're recording this just 11 days out from uh, the first game when folks are listening to it, I think it'll be 10 days away. Uh, Coach Kleiman had his final, I, I'll call it preseason press conference next week. It'll be all game prep. And he talked about how they'll have a simulated game on Friday. And then it is full on prep for South Dakota. What have been some of the, you know, themes and narratives that have surrounded this football squad during preseason camp? I think the first thing I would mention to you is what I believe to be terrific leadership. And it starts, of course, with the coaching staff. I think Coach Kleiman has done a really, really fine job here. You know, even through the COVID year going into, you know, his fourth year, I think this is a program we've seen them grow in recruiting and building the base of talent. Uh, they, they've worked exceptionally hard in, in getting more players. Um, quality depth, I guess, is what I'm tr struggling to say there. I think they've done a great job with that. And I think when you think about the excitement around the not only the returning players, but what Colin Klein could be capable of being as the offensive coordinator. And then you throw Deuce and Felix and many others into the mix, including Adrian Martinez. You understand why K-Staters are so excited. I mean, there are a lot of things to talk about and it should be a, a really good football team in what's going to be, I believe, a very wide open Big 12 race. I think it's as wide open as in a year that I can remember in the 20 seasons I've been here. Yes. And speaking of some of that quality depth, I was listening back to the press conference uh, shortly before we got on there and Chris Kleiman did something that, you know, maybe not at the level of Bill Snyder, but I don't think I've heard him say as many good things and high praise for a true freshman, like he did for Jacob Parrish. Um, what has he shown this summer? And it's sounding like, again, even with all that depth in front of him, I think, four legitimate big 12 guys in front of him. sounds like he may not be redshirting this year, which I, I did not have on my bingo card, but what have you seen from Jacob Parrish? Well, I, let me just give your audience an idea because K-State has practiced as we've talked 16 times. I've been to 14 of the 16 practices. So it's a good, I'm, I'm probably a good ask because I have seen uh, a lot. Not that I have the same trained eye as the coaches. I don't mean that. But I have seen his not only ability, but his want to. Uh, he's really a high-level athlete who loves the competition. Coach mentioned that in that presser um, on uh, Tuesday. That man, he just he wants to compete against Phil or Cade Warner or Malik Knowles or you know whoever it might be, R.J. Garcia, Jaden Jackson. I mean, we've we've got some guys there, and he doesn't back away. And I think he's. He's a really high-level uh, individual in terms of his football acumen. And then, of course, well-coached, too, by, by Van Malone, which really helps. So he he's ahead of the game. He he really is. And it, it, it would be hard for me to sit here and tell you, nah, that was just talk. I believe the man's going to play. I, I think he's ready to play, and I think he will play. Speaking of uh, Van Malone and his, his room, first off, I want to give a shout-out to Van and also Chris Conn, the way he does his uh, press conferences during fall camp 
or preseason mm-hmm. camp. Kellis Robinette, if he's listening, he's he's going to want to <laughs> jump like through my ball, earbuds and yell at me for saying <laughs> fall camp, preseason right. camp. Uh, you know, I, I love his press conference, and I'll, I'll tell you this: I don't want Van Malone to leave anytime soon. He's going to be a head coach, I think, sooner than than later. Uh, but if you go to that room, you see two guys in Echo Boydo and Julius Brents, who is preseason first team All Big Twelve. I think Echo could have been on there if anyone ever throws to his side of the field. Um, how long has it been since K State returns two boundary corners like that that have such high ceilings? You know what? That's a great question. I don't know if I have the perfect answer for you without giving it a whole heck of a lot of thought. But I will say this: I think both are capable of being professional players. And that probably answers your question. They're both very, very good. They love the game. They're studiers of the game. Uh, (laughs) I remember when Echo first bolted onto the scene, you might remember we had some COVID issues at Oklahoma. And a lot of people, Scott, you know this, they didn't even know who he was. Oh, I was freaking out when I, when I saw him out there for this. I I was sitting in my apartment in North (laughs) Kansas city at the time. And I I was like, Oh boy. Then sure enough. I mean, talk about a debut type game yeah he was unbelievable and as I mentioned in a couple of other interviews today he hasn't letting it go since and and I just so appreciate his ability to to compete and communicate and learn and want to be great at his craft he he has really really good work ethic and I'll I'll also tell you that the first time I saw Julius Brents I'm going wow how does this guy end up in the transfer portal well, it's pretty simple. If you looked at I, Iowa, had a couple of pro prospect corners, and he was probably their third guy, and he wanted to be, you know, a guy that saw the field all the time. I understand why now with that length, that athleticism. Um, he he really has developed into a heck of a player. And, I, you know, I, I know they have Omar Daniels and, and Parrish behind them, so they're developing depth there too, which is good. So I think the stronger at corner would, would be a, a, a little bit of an understatement as good as the front front two guys are. Yeah. And again, just n- not to spend too much time on uh, Mr. Parrish, but again, he wasn't even there for spring ball if memory serves me correctly. So being able to do all that with just summer conditioning and 16 practices, that's really saying something about the young man. Um, well, we'll, coach, we'll, coach, we'll, I'll just say this coach Kleiman told me at one point that it matters when you get good coaching at the high school level. And I think, and frankly, that was probably very, very accurate in terms of his case, uh, Josh Parrish. So he hit the ground running, man. He hadn't quit since. He's 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 been real impressive. Yes, and I'm I'm super looking forward to that. And uh, Drew Galloway of KCA Online, he, he's someone who I talk to a lot. Jacob Parrish has been a guy he's been zeroed in on from the first time he came on the radar. So I just want to give a shout out to Drew because he he's a guy who that, that's one of his guys, and, and I'm always yeah. going to give him a shout out. Uh, staying on the defensive side, I think with the media, with fans outside of Manhattan, they've been zeroed in really on one guy, and that's Felix. Um, is he gonna? Is it gonna take him having to find another gear to live up to all that expectations? Because maybe unlike any other spot on the football field, you can take a defensive end out if you're willing to commit two and three guys, as we saw later on the season. Is he gonna have to find that next level to live up to maybe this external hype? Well, that's a very intriguing question for me personally, and I think a good one. And here's why. I don't know if there's another gear there, but if there is, I think it would scare everybody in the Big 12. We saw him a year ago, again, I'll reference doing other interviews today. 
I've said a couple of different times that this guy had as much of a early career breakout season as I can remember. I mean, yeah, you could go back and look at Tyler Lockett as a true freshman, but this was, I mean, he was a different, different player from the standpoint of that motor and his freakish ability and quickness. Uh, and, and <laughs> it became so apparent that you're right. They helped for him. What I like about this group is, is as he has gotten even bigger and stronger and more confident, so has Nate Matlack, so has Jalen Pickle, so has on and on down the road. And I, I think that's another area of strength. K-State's defensive front is good. It is veteran. It is what I would describe as, you know, good from the standpoint of you got, an, I mean, Think about Jalen Pickle playing inside and out in a three-man front. Not everybody can do that, but he's turned himself into a very fine football player. And I just think Felix, whether he has another gear or not, I, to me, I think the gears that he has is just perfectly fine. Everybody around him, if they do their job, you're going to notice Felix and Yudike Uzama. I promise you that. Yes, and, and that brings me to the next one because – Again, I you mentioned them. I think even outside of Felix, you have three other guys who can end up on all Big 12 teams. But the one I want to ask specifically about is Nate Matlack. If he doesn't yeah. get uh, you know, two extra sacks taken off of his stat sheet in that Texas Tech game where they said it, you know, it was right at like a zero. I, I think I was causing a fit on Twitter and Ryan Lackey said, no, when they, when they marked the ball there, it's a, you know, that he didn't get robbed, Scott. So Ryan calmed me down on Twitter kind of put me in my place a little bit but if he gets those two sacks if it's like an inch further backwards he's probably finding himself on freshman all-american lists uh so are we gonna see maybe it might be unfair to say this but you know the felix type jump from year one as a contributor to year two as a co contributor because felix is probably going to be double and sometime triple team you have you know a monster at nose guard as well so someone has to be left you know single so are we going to see nate matlack maybe put up you know eight nine sacks it wouldn't surprise me at all and i again i go back to that phrase motor when you put an another 10 12 13 pounds on nate with with that quickness and god-given ability and the want to that motor so to speak uh, it makes you really appreciate, you know, his love of the game. And, and I saw him in a media gathering the other day at the indoor after after a practice. And it, he really does work at his craft and he wants to be good at it. And and he is I, I, at this particular point. I don't know if he is as explosive as Felix, but the fact that he is in the ballpark, um, I, I think, makes all K-Staters feel pretty good. <laughs> because he's a very bright football guy too. I, I think he, uh, his work ethic is really, really off the charts and, and that helps him too. Definitely. Um, this is year two of that three man front uh, that coach Klanderman coach climb uh, and migrated to last year. And, you know, if you, if you go back and watch that Stanford game, you know, it wasn't even a hundred percent that game. And I think that was what sold them on moving forward towards that what sort of jump as an entire unit do you think that they can make now? Hey, this is our defense. This is what we're drilling spring, fall, summer, all of it uh, in year two. And they all know, hey, the, the, this is my role. I don't have to worry about what I am in the four man, what I am in the three man. Well, the experience with it and another year in the program for all of those guys that we've talked about. I mean, we got an early, let's be honest, 
we got an early Christmas gift when Eli Huggins decided to come back. And I think there are other guys that are making their way. We mentioned Jalen Pickle and, and those other guys. Um, it, it, there's enough. We haven't talked about D Hens, who is maybe as improved as, as anybody on the football team. And, and even down below that, there's a young man from Manhattan, Damon Alalio, who is, he reminds me of Will Gary. You'll probably remember Will Gary from Topeka. Not, not the tallest guy. Yep. I'm a Topeka wide. guy. I, I love Will Rather, Gary. Oh, and, and he was just, he could lift the truck. <laughs> and, and, and Damien's a lot like that. So I think there's a lot of people and experience with this group. And, and just being in it another year, I mean, those guys admitted here, whatever it was, a week or two ago that, going into Stanford, they were going to play the three-man front, but if it didn't work very well, they were going to go back to the four-man front. Uh, that that won't happen this time. They, they know it better. They know the system better. And with that kind of experience and, and frankly, the confidence in it, um, I, I believe this will be a better defense in 2022 than, than K-State was a year ago. Definitely. And uh, replacing all three starting safeties, Where's your comfort level seeing those guys? Again, we brought in a lot of high-quality transfers. Sincere Mason's back. TJ Smith yeah. is back. Uh, where's your comfort level, especially in this new defense? You have three of those guys and sometimes four, depending on how you want to classify that You know, third backer, uh, which it sounds like it'll be Sean Robinson, who previously was a safety. What's your comfort level at that level of the defense? Well, it's certainly better after 16 practices for me personally than it was at the beginning because I told people in interviews at that particular time when camp just opened that there's no question. You can talk about Adrian Martinez or whatever. What's he going to be all day long? But for me, the biggest question going into camp with the team was how will they be at safety? We've talked about the corners. We haven't talked a lot about linebackers, Daniel Green, that kind of stuff, but we've talked about the front. If those safeties are good, this could have the makings of a real nice defensive team. Will they be the most dominant team in the league? I don't know that I would go that far, but I think they can be in the upper third, and that says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, it does to me. And so I think that is the most prevalent thing here. When you get into the personnel of it, I believe K-State was very fortunate when Josh Hayes was available. He was a young man who played for Coach Kleiman and Coach Klanderman at North Dakota State. He's been a part of national championship teams. He's been at the Power Five level at Virginia. That was a rock, rock, rock solid pickup in my in my view. I thought another guy that was a really good pickup, well, a couple of guys come to mind, Kobe Savage, a junior college guy. And then I really like Drake Cheatham in terms of his football acumen and, and just how hard he competes. Uh, so I do think they're, you know, pretty solid there. And there's some depth there too. You mentioned TJ. TJ has been around a long time, understands the system even better now. He should be a factor. Um, and I mean, we could go even deeper, but we'll leave it at that. But just suffice it to say, I think everybody from Coach Kleiman through the entirety of the football team much more confident right now with the safety position than they were at the beginning of camp. You mentioned him towards the end of uh, the season. I think it was unprompted. Daniel Green, Deuce Green wanted everyone to know he was going to be coming back this year. I think technically with the COVID rule, he could maybe even come back ne next year. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, he might have an NFL future in front of him. In my prediction show, I had him obviously as the leading tackler, and I said that he might. 
uh, go over a hundred tackles this upcoming season. Cause I have a sneaking suspicion. He's going to find that balance of that violent uh, way he plays linebacker and not getting some of those uh, targeting penalties. Although referees have, have a weird little uh, habit of they, they see a big hit and they see number 22 and the flag comes flying out. So hopefully the replay officials do their job this year. Uh, but w- what can you expect out of him? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put the mantle of, oh, could we see an Arthur Brown type year? Because that's maybe a year we'll never see. But if anyone was going to come close to having that sort of a caliber position at linebacker since Arthur, I think it's Daniel Green. Well, let me touch on Daniel in just a second. And let me say this. I think he's in less danger of all the targeting this year compared to a year ago because of one experience, but two, the rule has changed. And it's a little bit more really on the on the crown and they've kind of gone away from this part. Well, the, that the, that makes me so yeah, happy to hear. Absolutely. It was a change that was needed, frankly. I've talked to a couple of different officials at K-State practices when they were there to work this this fall camp. There's that word again that Kells will like. Uh, but training camp, whatever you want to call it. But it, it, that will be a little bit different. Now for Deuce, I mean, let, let's be honest. He's a physical specimen who is a very physical player by nature, but he also has terrific speed and and pretty good instincts. I think K-State having the experience in front of him and maybe being a little bit better at linebacker, um, all due respect to Cody Fletcher, I'm talking more in terms of depth because you've got, you know, guy guys that have been in the program like Nick Allen and Austin Moore, but then you have a newcomer, even though he's been around the game a long, long time with Will Honus. Um, and and you heard Coach Kleiman talk about Jake Clifton today. That's that's another freshman who has been really really impressive instinctive player he's made a lot of plays I don't know how much I mean in a perfect world they would play him the four games and redshirt him but you you just never know when injuries come around let's let's hope they don't but that that lead guy Daniel Green is a I just think he's one of the better football players defensively in the conference I'm right there with you. And it's good to see Will Honus in purple, which I think is the color that he always should have been wearing. Uh, but let's move on to offense. Uh, you mentioned him at, at top and talking about a guy who he's he's wearing purple, even though he, he was previously wearing red. That's Adrian Martinez. I think K-State fans, or at least I'll speak for me and my friend group, we, uh, we'll always watch Nebraska because we're rooting against them. So we, we've been able <laughs> to see Adrian Martinez make some of those crazy plays, but we have seen, you know, a couple turnovers uh, from him in, in some costly situations. Is the change of scenery going to really do him well, kind of have the Cade Warner effect, get rid of some of those? And how excited are you to see him run this new, I'd say revamped offense that Colin Klein's going to be calling this year? Well, you touched on a couple of things there, and I will say this about Adrian. I've been very impressed at not only the type of athlete he is and the experience he has, but the way he has fit in here, not just with the coaches, but in particular with Colin, his position coach and coordinator, and the work he has put in with, I mean, it was, let's be honest, it was an advantage, Scott, to have him come in here and already know Cade Warner is an example. And Cade, it's not, I mean, it's obvious that those two guys were elected captains. They have a lot of, I'll say, stake on the grill uh, in, in this thing. And they've worked diligently, you know, in the offseason once he was cleared with the shoulder with Malik and Philip and RJ and all of those types of guys. You know, 
sometimes change of scenery can be good. And I do think Nebraska, a uh, couple of things here. I, I think they probably, most people perceive that they weren't a very good team. And you know how that goes. The quarterback gets all of the credit and all of the blame. You know, I had a guy say to me even today that, you know, he, he, he might have three touchdowns passing and three rushing, but throw one interception. And that's the thing people are going to talk about. So he's got to live that down a little bit, if that makes sense. But I think he's capable of doing it. And, and I say that because <clears throat> he's worked diligently at, on, on trying to eliminate some of that. I believe having Deuce Vaughn in that backfield with him will help him a lot. We've talked about, you know, being protected a little bit better than maybe he was at Nebraska. And I'm a big believer in Colin Klein. I'm just going to say that right now. I, I think he will be a head coach and a really good one someday. And I think prior to that, he's going to develop into a good coordinator. Bumps in the road, sure. But he's a confident guy. I think he's confident in Adrian. And let's go out there and just let her go and let him play and see what happens. You can't play this game scared or play this game fearful of being hurt. Doesn't work like that. You got to let it hang out. He's human. He's going to make a mistake or two. But can it be, you know, a couple of levels lower than it was at Lincoln? That's the thing. And I believe he can do that. I really do. Yes. And Max Olson of The Athletic had a great article about Adrian Martinez and kind of the warrior mentality he really had to have fighting through some of those injuries last year. And again, you know, probably not quite on the same level, but it, it, it reminds you of the stuff Colin battled through his, you know, 2011, 2012. Speaking of 2012, 10 year anniversary of that Big 12 championship, uh, Colin Klein uh, winning the Johnny Unitas Award. He's going up on the Ring of Honor. You, you spoke about it, how excited you are to see uh, his development. How excited were you for Colin, the person, and then for K-State, the football program, that he got that call up to be the OC uh, before the bowl? I, yeah, it became official. At, at, was it right at the bowl game he got the full-time gig? Yeah, um, right so after how, the bowl. Right after, yeah. yes. Okay, right, right after, after the bowl. But, but uh, he's the guy that did all the work after Texas in the 30 days leading up to, because remember, the game wasn't until January 4th. It was one of the last games played that probably benefited Colin. But I think Coach Kleiman has made it very clear that the way he handled not only himself, but how he coached the offensive football team and motivated said team probably gave him a, a leg up with the job. Colin is still a very young man, but he, he's been around Bill Snyder. He's been around other coaches, including Coach Kleiman, uh, Coach Mess. So he's he's had, a, in a very short period of time, He's learned a heck of a lot of football on top of what he learned playing the game. I think playing the position that Adrian plays helps him here, uh, to be honest. And, and I just think that I'm so thrilled for him because in all the years that I've been at K-State and all the years that I've been in broadcasting, I, I have been so blessed to, to be around some of the to most terrific people you'll ever want to meet K-State or otherwise, but with Colin, I'm just being blunt about this. He's right at the top of, he's in the upper 1% of just people and, and what, what he stands for as a, as a Christian and as a man and as a football coach and all of those kind of things, you, you're just not going to find a better guy, period, end of story. Yes. And he, I, I remember I, I was a student in 2012. That was my junior year. I was lucky enough to have some interactions with Colin, not in the realm of football, but some of that stuff you're talking about him as a Christian, him as a man, 
uh, got to hang out with him, you know, on campus. Uh, just super pumped to see what his coaching career is going to look like. Has Coach Kleiman said, hey, if we put up, you know, 28, 31 points in the first half, I'll let you be out, out there on the field to see your uh, name go up on the <laughs> ring of honor. Does it, if we only have 17 points, is he going to say, hey, sorry, your uh, wonderful wife is going to have to stand down there for you? How's that going to work? You know, I, I don't have a good answer for that. It, it's a very intriguing question for me. Maybe I'll ask that at next week's presser. Uh, but but I know in, in working with Kenny and Ryan for, you know, next, not this coming, but the following Friday night for the ceremony prior to the game, you know, they've had to work through some things because he is coaching and he's going to be coaching his first. I mean, think about it this way. He's already coached in a bowl game, but this will be his first regular season game as an offensive coordinator. So I think we're talking about a pretty good dude there. But again, we're all thrilled for him. I, I think that'll all, you know, work out. Um, and, and I'm, you know, the whole class is pretty special to be honest. You mentioned Arthur Brown earlier, and I remember 2012 so vividly and how tough those guys were. And you, again, I, I, I could say as many good things about Arthur as you would about most of the K-State greats. I believe he belongs in for sure. Uh, and that was quite a year because of those two guys leading, uh, one on offense, one on defense, pretty special. I recently rewatched that 2012 game versus Texas. And I, I think we all kind of remembered those touchdowns late that final score. Uh, you know, it, it was, I, we were down at halftime for that one and th they easily could have let that one go uh, after what happened the previous week versus Baylor. Then also knowing, Oh, you had already clinched a portion of that uh, big 12 title. But I think it says a lot about the leaders that Colin was that Arthur was that they turned it on. They came out there in that third quarter and, uh, they, they didn't really look back. And, and I think that says a lot about them and that team that they were able to do that and get, you know, the second big 12 championship the K-State's had. Stan and I have both had this conversation together. He and I many, many times uh, um, don't know that I'll ever forget what I would describe as what I believe is Collins breakout game, the game at Miami in his junior year in 2011 and the physical nature of that game I mean he got knocked all over the place but he was like Rocky right bounce right back up and keep swinging and and I think we realized at that particular point that moving forward you know 2012 could be a, a pretty darn good year I, I'm not saying we we saw the big 12 championship coming but you knew we were dealing with a with a special leader here I mean, away from just the, the ability to play the game and it, as we all know there are a lot of guys that threw the ball better than Colin, but, but he was so tough and disciplined. And I, I have said this many times before, Scott, in all the years I've done this, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy that put 120 other guys on his back and said, let's go. He was as good as any. Yes. We'll move on to the offensive line. Cause talking tough discipline, I think that's some <laughs> of the mentality that coach Riley is really, uh, bringing to this team. Uh, Connor Riley's always said he wants, you know, nine guys, nine guys who are capable of starting. I can name, you know, eight guys right off the top of my head. I think he did in his uh, press uh, availability. He was working on finding that nine. Do you think we've gotten to that nine, nine guys that have that, you know, top tier quality depth uh, when they're lining up against South Dakota? Or are they still working on finding maybe that eighth and ninth guy? I think I could say that they're close but maybe not quite there. And the reason in, in, in large part 
is that, and coach mentioned this in the press conference this week, that Carver Willis has been just a little bit dinged up and, and Andrew Langang is coming back a little bit too. If those guys that have been healthy the whole way through, I think it, the answer would easily be yes, or, or pretty close. I mean, you, you think about the versatility of of Cooper Beebe as an example, who can play really anywhere across the line. And that, I mean, KT's played offensive uh, guard and tackle. Uh, Duff's been around a long, long time. And, and, and <laughs> I'm a big fan of Hadley Panzer, and I think everybody knows that he, he's a guy who can play uh, guard and center. Uh, Lane Gang can play anywhere. Uh, there's versatility there is the point. And I think you could look down the list. I think Kingsley Ugu's gotten better. Uh, I think I think K-State really, the, especially Coach Riley, he's mentioned guys like Sam Heck before, young sophomore. Uh, there are there are guys there that are coming. And then, I mean, I I can't even put into words how excited I think this staff is. Uh, for those true freshmen and they have three of them that are they're going there I love their frame I love what they do John Pastore is I, I think a guy who's going to be really really good he, he's a kid from uh, from uh, Erie Colorado and then you got the kid from Pennsylvania uh, whose dad played uh, you know with the Steelers and his coaching at Oregon um, really I mean a good 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 looking kid there um, and then I, I guess just looking down the line here, Drake Beckwith from Colleyville, Texas. Wait till you see his frame. He 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 is such a nice looking athlete. The the point is, and again, referencing back to to Kleiman's comments in the presser, when he was asked about the freshman, he said, "Oh, pff, there are ten or fifteen guys we could talk about." I guess that's what I'm struggling to say here. It, it's those guys are good looking kids, and I. I you just got to hang with them. And a year from now, we'll be talking about them. You watch. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask one thing about uh, Cooper Beebe, and I'm going to ask you to uh, help me out because I, I don't pretend to be a football expert. And in my group chat with my friends, we've all talked about Cooper Beebe all offseason long. And some of the talk about him maybe starting off at left guard versus left tackle. Is it he is so much could be so much better at left guard that you're willing to move a first team all Big 12 left tackle down there, or is it hey KT or Line Gang whoever it is they've taken so much of a jump forward that hey they might be first team all Big 12 there. Just kind of walk me through that because again, uh, none of us are smart enough. So I'm going to ask you know quite possibly <laughs> no. the smartest guy to ever come on our podcast. Well, I don't. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I'm sure that's probably false, but I appreciate you saying that. I. It's a very intriguing subject for me because I think Cooper Beebe would tell you he prefers guard, but he's such a team guy. He wants to lead and he he'll play wherever. And you're right. He, he was admirable in his efforts left tackle a year ago. I believe what the coaches feel is that guard is his more natural position. And as well as KT has done and improved over the course of the last couple of years, not just one, I think that's a, a really big deal. Um, I just having Taylor Portier back as on the right side and then having Cooper at the left. I mean, think about that. I tell people this all the time when Taylor got hurt last August, and then we started talking about this season. If you remember 
Kleiman said that guy was our best lineman when he went down last August. Then, as you said, Cooper Beebe went on and had a brilliant year and was all conference at left tackle. So that tells you you could maybe have two first-team All-Big 12 guys, and that's not even counting KT and how much better he's gotten. Christian Duffy, you know, <laughs> Hadley Panzer. I mean, it just goes on and on. And I don't want to make this sound like that it's an invincible team, but I think they like their pieces, and these guys have really made a lot of headway, honestly. Yeah, so let's move out to the guys on the outside. Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner, all of them are back. And we could talk about those three. Maybe we can touch on those three guys. But someone who I think fans have been zeroed in on since he showed up on campus, another one of the Drew Galloway specials, and I heard you mention him earlier, and that's R.J. Garcia. Uh, You've been at 14 of the 16 practices. What have you seen from R.J.? And could this be the kind of breakout kind of storm onto the scene wide receiver, which again, not to take anything away from Malik Phillip and Cade, we haven't seen a young guy take the bull by the horns maybe since Tyler Lockett. Yeah. I I think what I would tell you is I think where he has made the most progress and and this would make sense to everybody because he's been in the program now a second year. He, he just is more comfortable with what they're doing, how K-State does everything And when you combine that with the fact that he has good hands and good speed and is a good route runner with that increased flexibility, with that increased strength, he's going to be in the mix. And I think to maybe even a a little bit of a lesser degree, I think you could even say that about um, Keenan Garber too. Those two guys, there's a reason they were recruited. Those guys, they, those coaches like those two guys they raved about RJ in the springtime and it hasn't been as much in the fall. And then part of that is because Keenan's gotten better. So they're both right there. And I think when you put those two with Jaden Jackson, uh, you've got three guys who, who, and, and and honestly, nobody likes to talk about Seth Porter because he's five foot, nothing and 150, nothing. But, but the dude is, if, if he were six, four and 200 pounds, he'd be an all pro. He has that kind of heart and drive. He has terrific hands. He's got more speed than people know. So they're deep enough there. Um, they may be a little bit smallish in his particular case, but those other guys are dudes. And I I, I think K-State's got enough balance there too to, to be just fine. With, you mentioned Garber. We talked about RJ, uh, you know, JJ uh, transferring in and then those three coming back. Is it going to kind of be, you know, uh, instead of, you know, the one breakout, you know, number one wide receiver, do you think Adrian Martinez is going to say, all right, hey, I'm going to kill you guys death by, you know, six to seven different paper cuts? Do you think that's maybe the type of production we're going to see spread out across those six, seven guys? Good question. And I think you could answer that. Yes. And here's why I would even add to that. And I, I know you go by position here a little bit, but we all know that Chris Kleiman and for that matter, Colin Klein like those fullbacks and tight ends in this thing, too. So I wouldn't say it would be out of the realm of possibility to have four or five guys with say 30 to 40 catches, you know, they're going to try to play a little faster too. So there may be more catches out there. Right. Uh, and that it's not like they're going to get away from the run either. I mean, with, with Deuce Vaughn and some of the guys oh, there, I'm and, saving best for last with Deuce. Yeah. Vaughn. Don't you worry. And, and so <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I, I do think there's, you know, there may not be an 80 or 90 catch guy like, you know, say Taekwon Thornton was at Baylor or somebody like that. 
but I do think there's quality in numbers, and I think that's important. And uh, I mean, I, I'm a big, big, big fan of Ben Sennett and Sammy Wheeler. Uh, those guys are big and they can run and they're strong. And I, I, I think Martinez kind of likes the the tight end throws and the wing back or the H back throws. They'll they're going to get their share too. So it'll be, I believe it'll be spread out pretty evenly. You talked about Sammy Wheeler, Ben Sennett, and I'm a big Jax Demean guy. Someone's yeah. in his shorts, and uh, I'm not going to call my frame like Jax because he, he he's probably all muscle. I'm like the exact inverse of all that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's exciting to see those three guys, and yeah. I would love to talk a lot about Jax and e even Ben, but I really want to ask you about Sammy Wheeler, uh, the last Bill Snyder quarterback still standing, and, of course, he's playing tight end. I think that's uh, some pretty good you know, poetry right there, and I, I told Kellis, the, the senior day feature story for the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Stars riding itself because I think he's going to have a big year. Um, we've seen the flashes. Uh, he, he's had an unfortunate injury history, but if he is to be able to stay healthy, to play the 12, 13, maybe 14 games this year, how special can he be at that tight end spot? I think the simple answer is he could be special. He is an intriguing athlete. And, and I really appreciate Sammy because he has gone through a couple of different phases of injuries and he's still yet a lover of the game and a grinder. And he's done what he's had to do to put himself in a position to be a factor on this football team. And I admire that. Um, he He's long, he can run, he's improved in so many levels as a blocker in addition to the receiver, which makes him a very valuable piece. You've got to have people like him and Ben Sennett and, and Jack's guys like that who, who block too. Um, and, and so I have a real appreciation for that. I, like I say, Sammy, Sammy is going to give you everything he's got. You, you just hope and pray that he stays healthy because he, he can be a guy when he's healthy. No doubt about it. All right. I said, I was going to save the best for last. He was a consensus All-American last year. He's finding himself, you know, as uh, Tim Tebow's dark horse pick to be a Heisman finalist. Again, I'm campa or campaigning with uh, Kellis to give me a Heisman vote. I didn't know this until I talked with him. He, he's he's the lead guy in Kansas, so I'm trying to get a Heisman vote uh, because Deuce Vaughn is on my list. I think if he replicates the type of production he has and if this team is – as good as we as K-State fans think they are, I think he's going to be on some of these ballots. Brian Anderson said that he thought Deuce Vaughn is looking better. He's looking faster, looking crisper. I thought that might be, uh, you know, coach speak until I, I talked to a couple people who said, no, we, we think he has found, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's just a half level, but even a half level up from last year would blow my mind. What have you seen from Deuce and what are you expecting from him when we strap it in and play South Dakota? Well, let me just tell you this. I had a guy say to me, I won't mention which coach it was, but he said that there is nobody on the football team that values his body as much as Deuce Vaughn, meaning nutrition, eating the right way, staying hydrated, all of those. I mean, he is an All-American at almost every level that way, whether it's in the weight room, work ethic, what, you know, student, um, all the things you you want to, you know, grade him on, he's at the top of the charts. Um, I look at what he has done in this first couple of years, and it's extraordinary to think about 
this guy and his ability to catch the ball. Very few talk about that, Scott, but he's, he may be, you could make an argument that he's the best running back receiver in America. He's also one of the more dangerous runners because he has the ability to, to get into space and he doesn't need much of a crease to, to get 40 yards or 60 yards or whatever it might be. He is very unique uh, and has more strength than you think in that 175 pound body. And, you know, I almost, I never have tried to compare anybody to Darren, but the one area where he is a lot like Darren is he's short enough that he gets covered up. And when he, if he gets to the linebacker level and they, even if they have the proper angle, they may not get him. That makes him pretty special. Hope that answers the you know the thought there because he he is. <laughs> I've been so blessed to see a lot of great football players here, and he's he's right there with with most. There's no doubt. Yeah, it seemed like almost every week, whether it's you know radio, TV, public, you know, he he's breaking some sort of record or getting himself onto some sort of list about you know oh there's only been three people since 2000 to have this many rushing yards and this many receiving and this many receiving touchdowns so I think you hit the nail on the head and again I think everyone does kind of the I'm not calling it lazy but comparing him to Darren Sproles based on the height but folks like to remember Darren Sproles and how he is as a pass catcher in the NFL he was not quite doing that uh, at K-State at the level that Deuce was uh, so I think that makes it exciting. And again, we've mentioned all these weapons and circling back to Adrian Martinez, he has to just be thinking kid in a candy store because un- unlike, you know, on defense where you can attempt to take Felix out of the way, you can have two guys sh- shadowing deuce. He can, it's a home run possibly anytime he touches the ball. Well, it's an interesting point because what I would say to the people that are listening to this is that, Deuce is smart enough to know that if he lines up in the backfield and he comes out of that position and goes in motion, if you watch, usually there's not just one guy following him. Sometimes there are two. And when that happens, somebody else else over on this side is going to be open. And so (laughs) it's extraordinary that he is willing to do that. And still, in terms of all purpose yards, he's getting his 120 every Saturday. That is special. You, you, please, please, please don't take that for granted because it, it's it is an amazing thing what the what the guy does for his his size. But he has the heart of a lion, and again, the way he takes care of himself, the way he prepares, the guys talk all the time about how how he watches film and puts in the extra work. And <laughs> you touched on it a moment ago. All of those people will tell you associated with Kansas State football that there's no doubt he's stronger than he was a year ago and he's a better football player than he was a year ago. And this is where we say he was a consensus All-American last year as a sophomore. Yeah, again, you say cherish this year. Again, I'm not going to, uh, on this show, project out or talk too much about what might be next for Deuce Vaughn after this year, Uh, but he is going to be NFL eligible his dad is an NFL scout, so I think he's going to make the right decision, whatever it is. But enjoy this football season. Enjoy every time you get to see Deuce Vaughn play football. I have one more football question. I'm going to squeeze in two 
uh, kind of funny ones because you gave me the green light to to talk to you uh, and, and probably going longer than you thought you signed up for. But all in all, we've talked about it. We, we were talking about K-State. I'm coming away from this feeling even more bullish on this team than I did coming into uh, this day when I woke up. The Big 12 is wide open. Who knows really what's going to happen? You know, I think a lot of K-State fans hold a lot of fond memories of Brent Venables down there in Oklahoma, but first year head coach. Oklahoma State losing possibly the best defensive coordinator in the conference. Baylor losing a ton of production. No team is the perfect team. Uh, I don't think anyone could fill out their preseason poll and feel confident in anything at all. Um, although I would like to find out who voted Iowa State number one and you know figure out what might have been in their cup. That is me, Scott McFarland, saying that, not Wyatt. Uh, but what do you think this season's going to look like? Again, I'm not asking you to make a prediction or projections, but this is so wild. There, there's no reason why we can't be sitting here in November and seeing K-State fighting for a spot in Arlington that final Saturday in December, right? I think there's a great chance that you can see that. And we could sit here for another hour and analyze the league and maybe still not come to a consensus. Here's what I've been saying, though, in interviews, and I, I, I personally – voted for Oklahoma, but not necessarily because I think they're a better football team than Oklahoma State or Baylor or K-State, but it's their schedule. They have Texas in Dallas. They have Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State all at home. Sir, that is a major advantage for them. It just, it just is. But if you take that off the table, uh, I think what are they going to be? I mean, they have a new quarterback. They have a new offensive coordinator. They have a first-time head coach. They have great talent. But there are question marks there, you know. I think we'll have a pretty good sense, you know, four or five weeks down the road, but maybe not in one or two weeks. You mentioned Oklahoma State losing that coordinator. Huge loss. They lost two or three really big difference-making guys on the defensive side, too. But offensively, they're going to be pretty dynamic. I think Dave Aranda is very good at Baylor, and I think they will be a major factor. They play, you know this, they play really rough, tough, physical, hard-nosed football. Um, maybe as good or better than anybody in the league. So those three or four teams there, you could argue all day this, that, this, and that. A lot of these games are going to come down to the fourth quarter. And in, in K-State's case, you know, can Adrian Martinez and this group put it all together? I'm not saying that they will, but and I, but I'm certainly saying they have every opportunity, you know, and, and that's all you want is a, is a chance. No question about it. Yes. And, and as I, I talked with Gene Taylor earlier this month, I said, hey, just in case uh, the football team is playing Arlington, on that first Saturday in December, you might want to have Wichita State's AD on speed dial to move that basketball game off to that Sunday. And he he told me we're not going to talk about that now, but maybe get back to him <laughs> in November. So uh, that that's something I, I'm I'm holding out hope because by God, I I need to be at both of those games if it happens. Uh, I'm going to try to get you back on a little bit closer to basketball season because again, what Jerome Tang sure. has been able to do. Uh, has been amazing. But I, I want to ask my two favorite questions, kind of these wacky questions that I like to ask. I'm not going to ask you what color your underwear is, which I did ask to Chris Kleiman once upon a time. Uh, <laughs> but if you had to do a road trip from Maine, Bangor, Maine to San Diego, California in a car, 
with one employee of Kansas State Athletics, who would you choose to go on that road trip with? One employee from Kansas State Athletics. Correct. That's probably pretty easy for me. I would probably pick Mike Clark, who works in our development office and used to be our baseball coach, uh, but only because we're good friends. We have traveled together many times before, whether it's on our little baseball trips in the summer or the catbacker tour or, or whatever. His wife and my wife have become buddies it would be pretty seamless. So that, that one is a pretty, <laughs> that one's a pretty easy one. I, I was, I didn't think I'd get one quite that easy to start. All right. What would maybe be like a little bit more chaotic one? If I'm, if I had to make you go down the depth chart, Hey, we, we, we would make it there, but it might be a little bit more chaotic. Well, let me think about that one a second, because I think, I think there are a few, uh, that, that is, that is interesting. I, I would say, I would like to do this, but it would be different. And that you may be surprised by this answer. Um, I have such admiration for Cliff Revelto, the track coach at Kansas State. But the truth is, is I've been here 20 years and I don't know him probably as well as I should. But I admire the job that he has done. And I think a long trip like that, where you could really pick his brain, I mean, think about all of the brilliant athletes that he's had here, Olympians, you know, <laughs> gold medal winner, you know, high jump national champions, whatever it might be. Um, I think he's one of the more interesting people that we have at, at Kansas State Athletics. Awesome. And then the, the final one I've, I've liked asking folks is, if you had to enter a eating contest, life or death with someone same age, same size, so there's there's no, you know, logistical advantage one way or the other, but you get to choose the food. What what food are you choosing for that life or death eating competition? So this is just one contest and you eat the most of whatever. Yep. And let's say in a 12, 12 minute period. And who am I picking to to go against? No, what food are you choosing? So you're going oh, up food? against some similar age, size, all that type okay. of stuff. So you're not going okay. up against you know you know Jake Clifton or Toby O from the uh, you mm -hmm. know linebacker squad. You don't have to worry right. about that. But what food are you choosing to compete eating with? Well, let me get back to that. But you mentioned a guy that I should have mentioned too. Toby O Sami is going to be a player, dude. Give Just me last name one more time. I've been calling him Toby O. I might be saying that until he's in the NFL. Osinsami. Osinsami. Okay. Yeah. I, I, hopefully I'll he get it. He can really run and he's got a big motor too. He may be our next Daniel Green. Well, him, him and Jake together. <laughs> I, I think the linebacker room is very yeah. bright. And I, I remember when he, he signed up, I, I've been lucky enough to become buddies with Taylor Bratt. When Toby O signed up, he, he told me, this is the one to watch. Circle this name in a Sharpie and keep your eye yeah. on him. They all love him, the staff. He and and they they love his physical talents, but they love his work ethic too. Back to the eating thing, that one is a hard one for me because, as you can tell, I love to eat. So I would I would say probably either steak, or I'm a big spaghetti and meatballs guy. So probably you you pick one of those two, and I'll make it work. How's that? Okay. How many how many ounces of steak, and what's your you know cut of choice? So I, we'll we'll forget about the the volume because I, I love steak. I, I want to know your cut of choice with steak. Well, it depends on where I'm at. Um, in a lot of places, I would probably pick a ribeye, but there are a couple of places that I really really like where I would probably do a sirloin. Uh, 
there's I, I love them all. That's that's part of my my thing there. And, but I could probably I could probably get pretty deep into a 16 ounce ribeye. Don't know that I could do 20 if I'm eating a salad and all that goes with it. I could do the 20 ouncer if it's just the steak, probably. Gee, I hate admitting that to you. How about that? Hey, I'm nodding my head. I'm like 20. That sounds like an appetizer to me. You know, <laughs> next time you're in Kansas City, I, I live in Shawnee. You okay. let me know. I'll, I'll grill us up some ribeyes. Uh, that sounds great. That, that's all I have for you. Again, I think I kept you longer than you thought you were signing up for. But I always let uh, when I have guests on, uh, you know, address the boneheads. Those are the fans of this podcast. But with someone like you, it's going to go beyond just the regular, you know, million, million and a half subscribers that we have. Uh, but what would you just want to tell the boneheads and all K-State fans as we're ramping up here for another great uh, sports season? Well, we're glad you're part of K-State Nation to start with. Um, I've been blessed to be here 20 years. This will be my 21st football season. And I know how special the fan base is, whether it's the boneheads or just the regular Joes. And I, I've said this before. If, if you think about K-State's fan base and the difference, say, between, you know, living in Johnson County as opposed to Scott County or something like that. But the one thing they all have in common is that power cat, baby, you know, and it, you're all in if you're a wildcat, right? I, I've said that for a lot of years and I, I mean that sincerely. They should be excited about this year. Jerome, and we'll, we'll talk about that later down the road. We'll, we'll do this again and we'll talk about coach Tang and the job he's done, but I love him. I love his staff, uh, but football it's, it's a uh, front and center. And uh, I, I do think they have a heck of an opportunity to have a really nice year. And uh, let's hope we're at a very, very nice bowl game uh, uh, sometime in late December or January. I love it. Well, that's all we have. Boneheads, we have a live show on Wednesday on Spotify Live. Wyatt, you're going to love this. I, every year, at least this is the second straight year, we'll start at 7 p.m. and we'll go as late as everyone, anyone who wants to come on the show, and give a prediction. I have a list of prediction questions. Uh, I'll let anyone who wants to, starting at 7 p.m. on Spotify Live, go to Bosco's Boys Twitter account, click in there. We'll go. I, I start at 7. I notoriously go to bed early. I'm in bed at 8.39 almost every morning. I'm up at 4.30 because Chauncey, my dog, likes to go on morning walks. But I'll stay on until 3 a.m. If any K-State fan out there consistently wants to come on and give these predictions, we're going to be going live at 7 p.m., going the distance. So people listening on release day, Bosco's Voice Twitter account, find the link at 7 p.m. in the central time zone. We're going to keep it going. So uh, you mentioned it, K-State fans. There's one thing we all have in common. That's that power cat. That's a love of K-State. I'm a third generation K-State graduate. So for my grandfather, for my two uncles, for my father, for my brother, and for my cousin, I'm Scott McFarland. Go Cats, and we love you guys. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State.
Social Podcast Network.